So I just have to address the elephant in the room. Uh, what the fuck are you guys wearing? So we did an experiment today. It's called the uh, Goodwill, Goodwill Challenge. Goodwill Challenge. You go to Goodwill with a friend, and they go down the aisle in their respective sections with their eyes closed, and they run their hands through the clothes, and the friend yells, stop. And whatever they land their hand on, that's what you buy. Chelsea, was this at your uh, request? Did you discover this challenge? Um, I saw it on TikTok, and he had some TikToks, mm. and I was like, I think we should do this. But this is not a TikTok podcast. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 22 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that the remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Travlov's Dog, a.k.a. Travis Breakdown, a.k.a. Attention Travisit Disorder. <laughs> I... Love all of them, but Travlov's dogs, it had me drooling. And I'm joined, as always, here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Psychological Evaluation, a.k.a. Shawnee and June, a.k.a. Gone Baby (laughs) Sean. And in our third seat, Chop Shop Regulator, Mozart and the Chell, a.k.a. The Perks of Being a Chell Flower, a.k.a. Chelver Linings Playbook, <laughs> a.k.a. Chell Interrupted. Yes. <laughs> also, welcoming back to the show, it's been a while. It's been, been a, a while. while. <laughs> One Flew Over the Marco's Nest, <laughs> a.k.a. Marco, my son, what have you done? <laughs> a.k.a. What about Mark? It's your boy, Mark. Hello, everybody. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Further description of the show. The tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Lobotomy? Probably. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. (laughs) That's going to bring us into our first segment this week, which is movie news. And this is where throughout the week we pay attention, we try to anyway, to stories that are in the news that relate to our subject at hand or just the theme of the show or that you, the chop shoppers, would find interesting. And unfortunately, this week, we do have to start it off with a couple of RIPs. Rest in peace and rest in power to Mark Elliott, iconic voice of Disney movie trailers. Iconic voice of Disney movie trailers dies at 81. He also did promos for Chariots of Fire, Smokey and the Bandit, The Goodbye Girl, and the original radio spots for Star Wars. He died at the age of 81 on April 3rd at a Los Angeles hospital after suffering two heart attacks. He additionally suffered from lung cancer. Rest in peace and rest in power. Also... Rest in peace to DMX. The uh, rapper is dead at the age of 50, a week after suffering a heart attack. A warrior who fought till the very end. DMX was also featured in films such as Belly, Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds, and Cradle to the Grave, and also Last Hour. Rest in peace and rest in power. Moving it into our next story, there's a Peeps film in the works. Yeah. Just in time for Easter. <laughs> it's apparently a road trip movie. Do we know anything else about this, Sean? Yeah, yeah. They're going to Peepstock or something. It's like the mm-hmm. uh, Peep Festival in their home state of Pennsylvania. Is this a DreamWorks or who's making this? I don't know who's making it, but they deserve to be kicked in the Before ball. I give a <laughs> further description, Chelsea, how do you feel? That's disgusting. Because peeps are disgusting? Yes. Gross. Finally, the real stars of Easter Sunday might be getting their feature treatment. According to Deadline, Marshmallow Peeps, best known for bulking out Easter baskets and tasting significantly better when slightly stale, are the latest handful of childhood nostalgia to be squeezed for their sweet, sweet original IP. Gross. And that comes to us from Vulture.com. Next, Indiana Jones 5 casts Fleabag's Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the female lead. Thoughts? I love her. And Fleabag is such a funny show. Fleabag's great. So good. 
Fleabag creator slash star Phoebe Waller-Bridge joins the cast of Indiana Jones 5 with Harrison Ford returning as Indy and James Mangold directing. And that is from comicbookreview.com. Next, Hotel Transylvania 4 gets the full title, moves up its release date to July. The final installment, hopefully, Hmm. of the animated saga will be called Hotel Transylvania Transformania. Oh, God. Jesus. (laughs) That comes to us from The Wrap. And finally, Paul Dano joins Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical film as director's fictional father. Paul Dano will join Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen in Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical film about his family playing a version of of Spielberg's father, Arnold. Any any feedback on that, guys? So obviously, Seth Rogen's going to play Steven Spielberg, right? I, I guess. I have zero opinion about this. All right, so that comes to us from Variety.com. And that's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. You guys hear a phone ringing? That must mean that it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Bless me, chop shoppers, for I have corrected. It has been one week since my last segment. Travis props for eventually pronouncing Kieran Hines' name correctly, but I'm gonna ding ya for Magdalene. That trailer for Left Behind It's nice of them to use the Millie Vanilli drum track as the backbone for that one. The actor who is in Godzilla vs. Kong, who's also in Atlanta, is Brian Tyree Henry. Good job, you two. No penance this week. Go forth and prosper, and have a blessed week. All right, Dana, thank you for that. We appreciate your hard work. Happy Easter, and also... Uh, If it's not Magdalene, why is it spelled E-N-E? That's going to close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode, because we're all mad here, psychiatry slash therapy movies. Now, Sean, you picked this subject. What was the catalyst behind your decision? I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of the mind was there a subconscious choice that went on probably maybe even psychosexual Hmm. and chelsea Mm -hmm. start from the beginning (laughs) oh jesus this podcast is not long enough (laughs) and marco as a psych major and movie buff how do you feel about the genre the genre of psychology movies uh therapy psychiatrist movies well, psych I, I, movies i think any movie could be a psychology movie if you apply it hard enough oh so we're getting deep oh yeah deep into that psyche mm-hmm. all right so i'll volunteer the information that i have sought out and received therapy for a multitude of issues Not surprised. Uh, anybody else this is a safe space <laughs> i've been to therapy before All right, bringing us to our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two films that are related to our subject of the week and somewhat related to each other. And we talk about how they're related and how they would make a good double feature. And so, Marco, as our guest, would you please go first with your double feature, sir? Certainly. So both my movies are about compulsion. One, he lives life one lap at a time. Another is about a bus that will explode if you drive too slow. A man obsessed with speed. So much so, it's the title of the movie. Speed. Speed's the first one. (laughs) Another has a need... Pop quiz, hot shot. (laughs) Another has a need for speed, and that's why I'm choosing Days of Thunder. Speed and Days of Thunder. It's about obsession. I feel the need, the need for speed. (laughs) Which is from Top Gun, not Days of Thunder, I think. But Days of Thunder stars Tom Cruise, who was in Top Gun. It's true. And it's kind of a precursor to Talladega Nights. Kind of. Sort of a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel Mm -hmm. to Talladega Nights. (laughs) Chelsea, can you give us a double feature? Yeah, this is dedicated to the woman that has made me crazy, my mother. Mm. Um, I am going with 1987 Nuts and 1991 Prince of Tides. Oh, I thought you were going to pair it with Bolt. Nuts and Bolt, that'd be pretty Nuts funny. and Bolt. Okay, tell me about Nuts. Uh, so they both star Barbara Streisand. Mm. And honestly, that's all I know. And my mom loves them. And she's crazy, yeah. has made me crazy. And these movies are crazy. I bet so. Crazy, crazy. 
I didn't like Shit's Prince of Tides. Crazy. I saw it in college and I was not amused. You were not amused by that heavily dramatic, <laughs> traumatic it's because, film? It's just, because the soundtrack has a ton of Celine Dion on it and mm. Sean is not here for it. Well, it's not even that. It's just they That's were trying the to make me feel something and I just wasn't feeling it. I was mm -hmm. just, this is dumb. I didn't like it. Shout out to Pat Conroy, a South Carolina author. So over to you, Sean. What's your double feature for today? Um, I went with uh, music as kind of my tangential... Uh, tether between the two i went with 1989's lost angeles starring okay. donald sutherland and adam adrock horovitz <clears throat> from the beastie boys yeah and amy locaine for, you might know remember her from uh, crybaby yes also her name rhymes with cocaine exactly uh, a troubled youth is uh he comes from a split home and he is sent to a private psychiatric hospital after a violent scrape with the police in the hospital, he makes a connection with one of the doctors who has his own problems. This movie sucks. Okay. <laughs> like, I watched it because I saw, hey, cool, Ad Rock's in it. That might be kind of neat. And uh, after you get past the novelty of seeing one of the Beastie Boys early, I mean, 89, I mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Licensed to Ill was They were like, just cutting their teeth. Licensed to Ill was like 87, if I'm not mistaken, 86, 87. Dana. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of like, that's cool. But then it was kind of shitty. And Donald Sutherland, like, was just. Check, take it a paycheck. It was not, didn't make any sense at all. And I'm pairing that with uh, 2007's Control, the uh, biopic of uh, Ian Curtis and Joy Division. Ah, okay. And this is based on the book by uh, Ian Curtis's widow, Deborah Curtis, and directed by Anton, Anton Corbin, who incidentally directed Joy Division's very first music video. And forgive my ignorance, Joy Division would be classified as like new wave? Uh, I would say uh, uh, post-punk. Post-punk, okay. And you're a fan. Oh, a huge fan. Huge fan of theirs. And I actually rewatched this today and uh, still holds up. It's a good flick. And uh, But anyway, uh, the reason that is a psychological movie is uh, Ian Curtis, of course, suffered from depression as well as epilepsy, which of course is not a mental disorder it's a More medical condition however he was physiological he, he was prescribed a shit ton of uh prescriptions from a psychiatrist that mm. probably did not do him a whole lot of good because he was like well you want to try all of these <laughs> and see which ones work and we'll and yeah but process the, of elimination at the same time like there was not that much known about epilepsy and these medications so i don't think mm -hmm. the person had ill intent also in the film uh Bernard Sumner, who is the current lead singer of New Order, he was the guitarist then in Joy Division, tried to hypnotize Ian Curtis. And the movie and the book leave it kind of open-ended if this was a good thing or a damaging thing. <laughs> and uh, amateur uh, hypnosis is probably not a good idea. It's never a good idea. So anyway, those are my two. Speaking of bad ideas, I've got a pairing for you guys. Uh, first, we've got The Crush from 1993. It was directed by Alan Shapiro, who also directed Tiger Town, The Christmas Star, and Flipper, the one from the 90s with Paul Hogan. Oh, no. We got a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Writer Nick Elliott, played by Carrie Elwes. Yes, that Carrie Elwes. Wesley from The Princess Bride. As you wish. L. Wesley uh, moves to a new city for a man. Excuse me. Moves to a new city for a magazine job and rents a room in the house of Cliff, played by Kurtwood Smith, and Liv Forrester, played by Gwyneth Walsh, whose fourteen-year-old daughter Adrian, played by Alicia Silverstone, oh, yeah. instantly makes her attraction clear to Nick. While Nick romances photographer Amy Maddock, played by Jennifer Rubin, at work, he was troubled. He has trouble fending off Adrian's advances. As her obsessions with Nick grows, Adrian becomes angry at being rejected and starts attacking his property and friends. Has anybody seen this movie? I saw it a long time ago. Many, many years ago? Hard Chelsea, no. you haven't seen this? No. The Crush, I think you would like it. Marco? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. All right. Next one, we've got Mad Love from 1995. It was directed by Antonia Bird. Uh, Antonia, Antonia Bird. She also directed Face, Ravenous, and Son of Babylon. This one's got 
just a little bit higher score, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Matt, played by Chris O'Donnell, falls for Casey, played by Drew Barrymore, the new girl in school. She's fun-loving and eccentric, but there's a darkness to her whimsy that Matt can't begin to comprehend. When Casey attempts to commit suicide, her parents, played by Joan Allen and Jude Sicilella. I love that. Sicholeia place her in a mental institution. Matt springs her out and together the young lovers head out on a road trip. They believe that their love can truly cure Casey's problems. Matt starts to wonder though if they are inspired or misguided. Uh, so my tie that binds here. Batman my- and Robin. My connective t- tissue. Batman and Robin. Uh, yeah, it's totally a Batman theme. <laughs> we went with Chris O'Donnell as Robin and Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. I'm right? so excited that I got that. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't it. I was just I was just picking two movies from back in the 90s, but you nailed it, dude. All right. Any final thoughts on our uh, double features? Yeah. Why didn't Alicia Silverstone have bat nipples? Because Joel Schumacher's gay. Okay. Um... Fair enough. I'm going to say recommend on Mad Love, mild, check it out on The Crush. Uh, recommend on Control, do not recommend uh, Lost Angels. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Watch both Days of Thunder and Speed. They're great movies. And that's our time. Oh, hey, it's time for our feature segment, which is The Recast. And for the first film, it's going to be an oldie but a goodie, The Seventh Veil from 1945, directed by Compton Bennett. We've got no rating on Rotten Tomatoes because it didn't exist back then. But it won an Oscar, didn't it? It's one of the most successful British films Mm -hmm. of all time. Mm Mm-hmm. After attempting suicide, Francesca Cunningham, played by Anne Todd, hires Dr. Larson, played by Herbert Loam, who, using hypnotism, delves into her subconscious and searches for answers. Francesca recounts several failed romances to Dr. Larson, shown in flashbacks, many of which were sabotaged by her cousin and musical tutor, Nicholas, played by James Mason, a jealous taskmaster who cares for (laughs) Francesca deeply. As the subsequent veils are lifted from her childhood clouded mind, Francesca is forced to confront her feelings for Nicholas. Listen, they're third cousins at best. <laughs> so it's it's cool in the South. Well, here it's not cool anywhere, but she's like, I think it's my dad's second cousin. Mm-hmm. I were related sort of, yeah. and I think that's how. But it's not like they're actual you know, uncle and niece or cousins. It's not like that close. Gotcha. And Sean, give me your thoughts. I liked it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was interesting how she, your, your synopsis said that Mason was kind of sabotaging the relationships. I think she was self-sabotaging her relationships Mm. because she was performing literally and figuratively for Mason's character, the entire film. Like even like when she was playing piano, yes, but even in her life, she was trying to make him impressed and right. make an impression on him. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I liked it. You, uh, Marco, you said you did not like the ending. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of an example of incel core. You know? Oh shit! <laughs> yes, because whenever the, she was getting engaged the first time earlier in the movie, he said, "Well, we're going to Paris," and that was the last you ever saw of you know fiance number one. Right. So it's just he's obviously kind of guilty here, if you ask me. I think he was being pretty manipulative. To be fair. I think she was too. It kind of reminds me of Talladega Nights when he thinks he's on fire. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. It's exactly the the same movie now that you really break it down. I know, right? Like shake and bake and I helped. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the roles that we're going to recast. All right. We got Francesca played by Ann Todd, who was 38 at the time. We've got Dr. Larson played by Herbert Loam, who was 28. And then we've got Nicholas, played by James Mason, who was 36. Is that? That's correct. Jive so, with everyone? Yeah, 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 which was surprising. Why? Because he was clearly a father figure. Mm-hmm. And, and much older. Much older mm-hmm. than her. And she was playing the role much younger. Like 16 or 17 at the start, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was two Good years older than James Mason. Good for her. 
All right, over to you, Mark. Who's going to be your Francesca? So I chose someone that's a musician. That way it'll seem more authentic because music's a big mm-hmm. component of this movie. Uh, plus, she's given interviews where she discusses how showbiz has destroyed her will to live. And that's a quote from some stuff. I chose Danny Minogue. Oh, yeah, Kylie he... Minogue's little sister. That's the one. Okay. Nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Chelsea? I have a little bit of a theme. Uh, my actress was in Bridesmaids, 21 Jump Street, uh, Lego Batman movie. I went with uh, Ellie Kemper. Yes. <laughs> Wait, didn't you just pick her like a couple weeks two ago? Two weeks yeah, ago. But it's great. Listen, She's coming back around. Sorry. If it fits, it fits. No, no, no. Yeah. No judgment. No judgment. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> no, the seriously. Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy unbreakable Sch- Kimmy mm-hmm. Schmidt. The unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She can mm-hmm. come back any week she wants. <laughs> so I went with a 30-year-old actress. She is the daughter of two professional dancers, and okay. she studied dance, uh, ballet as well. So performing, like Marco said, is kind of critical uh, in this role. So that take that for what it's worth. Uh, she was in Tenet. She was in Widows, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Great Gatsby. I went with Elizabeth Debicki. Okay. All right. Yeah, she's got a little bit of a... Emily Thompson thing, Emma Thompson thing going on. Maybe a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, especially in her Guardians of the Galaxy role. She was one of the golden people. Especially in that tiny black and white printed photo. Uh, <laughs> so my pick for the role of Francesca Cunningham, I dialed down the age a bit. She's 27 now. She was in The Discoverers, Refuge, and Californication. Her name is Madeline Martin. <laughs> she was the daughter yeah. on Californication. She's nice. my pick for that role. Moving it along, we've got the role of Dr. Larson, played by Herbert Loam, who was 28. And Marco, who do you have for this? My choice is someone that's played a bad guy before from Machete to Machete Kills to the forthcoming Machete Kills in Space. Yes. yes. <laughs> Plus there's something a little sinister about Danny Trejo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a there's a newish documentary about him mm. called Inmate Number One, okay. I believe is the name of it. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. Was he in jail? Uh, dude, yes. Oh. Yeah, Danny Trejo was in prison. Mm. Uh, over to you, Chelsea. My actor was in a movie from 2009 called Labor Pains, one from 2011 called Terry. You'd know him from The Office. I went with Creed Bratton. Creed Bratton, (laughs) who played the role of Creed Bratton Bratton on on The the Office. (laughs) He's great. Uh, I'm smelling a little bit of something around the water cooler, but I'm not going to reveal anything. Sean, over to you. I aged up this doctor considerably. He's 66 years old. Hmm. And he's a bit of a face value pick. Um, He was in A Simple Plan, The Man Who Wasn't There, Monster's Ball, and Sling Blade. I went with Billy Bob Thornton. Billy. Billy Bob. Uh, So as part of his writer, he has to have a vial of whoever he's dating's blood on set whenever he gets there. That's That's, that's, that's true. That's well known and well Mm -hmm. publicized, yes. Mm -hmm. My pick for Dr. Larson is 27 now. He was in Click, speaking of Adam Sandler. He was in Amityville, The Awakening, Gotham, and Shameless. His name is Cameron Monaghan. Cameron Monaghan is my Dr. Larson. I shopped him for something this week. Maybe not that part. Next, we've got Nicholas played by James Mason, who was 36. And Mark, who did you go with? I chose someone that's played a guy with a cane before. I think the Royal Tenenbaums, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> don't don't fact check that, please. Um, at least that's how I remember his character. Wait, is he making a comeback? Oh, yeah. And he's proven he has a singular focus and dedication in the Lethal Weapon series. I chose Danny Glover. Danny Glover. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. yes. Son of Donald Glover. Exactly. Well, <laughs> actually... <laughs> That's a no, father. It's his father. <laughs> Straight up, uh, they're not related, but when I saw uh, Childish Gambino perform, he came out and he straight up said, to answer all of you, yes, it's true. I am Danny Glover's father. <laughs> that might have been on Saturday Night Live. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea. My actor was in the Despicable Me movies, uh, Beautiful Boy, Vice, 
and The Office. I went with Steve Carell. Ah, Michael so, Scott. I did. Now, here's the thing. We all know she has daddy issues. Ellie Kemper's character in The Office has daddy issues, and Michael mm-hmm. graciously steps in and takes care of that for her. <laughs> Much like Danny Trejo, Michael Scott has also been in prison, hence Prison Mike. Yes. Over to you, Sean. Um, I went with a 47-year-old actor, so now I'm 30 years old to 47 mm-hmm. years old. Um, he was in uh, the TV series Teachers, uh, the series Afterlife, Love Actually, and The Walking Dead. I went with Andrew Lincoln. Okay. All right. He's not yeah. doing anything right now. Um, there is actually a standalone series coming out on FX that just stars him. It's a spinoff. Mm-hmm. It might a- be a movie. It is untitled. It is the Walking Dead movie. Yes. Yes. All right. My pick for Nicholas is 35 now. I went a year younger. Uh, He was in Neighbors, Now You See Me, and Nerve, and probably some other movies that don't start with the letter N. His name (laughs) is Dave Franco. Nice. Dave Franco. I like it. Is my Nicholas. So, final thoughts on... The film, The Seventh Veil. I enjoyed it. So did I. I really liked it. I watched, like, uncharacteristically, I watched this movie early, before I even picked the roles. Now, there's only three people in the movie, Mm -hmm. but I kind of enjoyed it, too. It's a little bit slow to start with, um, but I think it works itself out. I guess it's of its time. I think it works out all of those issues. (laughs) I don't think it earned its ending at all. <laughs> Firstly, they roll credits and she embraces him to, to do spoilers. Uh-huh. And it's just, no, like, why are you going spoilers to Spoilers from 1945. Yeah. Uh-huh. It would have been, been it would have benefited from a, a closing <clears throat> shot of like Ed Rooney from Ferris Bueller going, so that's how it is in their family. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that, we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some much needed counseling. Brain candy. Placebos. (laughs) Oh, some placebos would be good. Right? And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the Regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All All morning morning long. (laughs) And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck. Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger. Trontastic Ron. I'm going to rip his face off. Woo! And the defending champ. Little Thanos. You ain't got nothing, brother. I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition. So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. 
Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Watch Chop Retrofit. Picture me rolling in my podcast with friends. They see me rolling. I got no love for Chelsea. There's no need to pretend. Fucking aware, asshole. When we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. And And spit in our friends' faces. And what do we have for us? (laughs) This is from Fanta Flora and uh, wherever it is in North Carolina. Nebo slash Morganton. And it's called Tiny Bubbles. It's a Saison Ale with chamomile flowers and hops. So naturally, chamomile is a calming, natural uh, flower type thing. So tiny bubbles. I'll have you know this is my beer. You're welcome. Thank you. See, Chelsea shares her alcohol. Mm. Yeah, right. That's very nice of you. Oh, I'm into it. It's good. I get a little bit of like, this is going to sound weird, but I get a little bit of oatmeal. There's um, tea. Okay. I think it's brewed with like Earl Grey tea it or something. It used to be, but mm. I don't see it on the label anymore. But it used to have like a, a tea base. Mm-hmm. Well, That's I good. think it's delicious. And thank you very much for sharing that, Chelsea. Anytime. It's good. All right. While we enjoy that, let's get into the 2021 movie marathon. As of this recording date, it is the 99th day of the year. And what number are you on, Chelsea? Uh, 182. 182 movies. Mm-hmm. You you have practically doubled up on the day. Yep. Sean? 123. And I'm sitting over here with a measly 103 movies I've seen since January. <laughs> uh, what's going to be your first check-in, Chelsea? So I think Sean and I are going to tag team on this first one, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh a movie from 2020 called Honeydew. Oh, I've seen this and it's messed up. Yeah, so I really listen, I really don't want to give anything away cuz okay. I went into this 100% blind and by the end of it, like I couldn't even sit on the couch. I was pacing the room. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god." The uh level of suspense and intensity grows throughout the film i think you have to go into it blind yeah blind really helped i didn't know what it was going to be about uh it's a backwoods movie i think that's i would say it qualifies yes i don't want to give anything else away there's another genre that it fits Mm -hmm. into um but it's it's weird and as i said in my twitter review the music and the sound is quirky and weird and it's appropriately so like it just kind of throws things off kilter much like the rest of the movie right Okay, my first check-in is going to be uh, movie number 100 for me, Chaos Walking. Chaos Walking Phoenix Um, from 2021. It's a cool survival slash sci-fi film with Thomas Hollande and Daisy Ridley. Um, It was filmed a few years ago, and they had to shelve it because of The Great Quar. Mm. And... Has anybody else seen this? I have not. I've seen a trailer. Mads Mikkelsen's in it, right? He is. Mm. Uh, two unlikely companions embark on a perilous adventure through the badlands of an unexplored planet as they try to escape a dangerous and disorienting reality where all inner thoughts are seen and heard by everyone. So, oh, yikes. This, but only if you're a man, right? Yes. <clears throat> only men. Correct. Uh, so, basically, there was this ship that went to uh new world new world let's call it and as soon as they got there they realized that all of the men all of their thoughts could be heard by everyone around them it's called the noise uh that's all i'm gonna say about it i recommend it cool all right next check in chelsea uh this is a movie from 1980 called ordinary people with mary tyler moore Donald Sutherland um, and Timothy Hutton. Classic film. I had never seen it. Mm-hmm. And 
just at Christmas time, my mom and I were talking about Mary Tyler Moore and she's like, there's this movie where Mary Tyler Moore is mean. You got to see it. This is the one. I don't think she's mean. I think she's severely misunderstood. And I think the title begs the question, is there such a thing as an ordinary person? Yeah. So basically it's um, about a family. Um, Mary Tyler Moore, Donald Sutherland are a married couple. Timothy Hutton is their son. Their other son died in a really tragic way. And it has affected all of them. Timothy Hutton, he tries to commit suicide and then comes home from the hospitals in therapy. And they're just they're just trying to move on from this. Right. And it's it's rough. It should be noted it's directed by Robert Redford. Yes. Sorry. And Timothy Hutton won the Academy Award. This is his film debut. And he won Best Supporting Actor or Best yes, Actor? Yes, Supporting Actor. Best Supporting Actor in his film debut. Yes. Right on. All downhill mm. from there. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, though. I really liked it. He's in a he's in a show that's set in Oregon, and I just want to thank him for that. Go ahead, Sean, with your next check-in. <laughs> I'm checking in from 1976, Lifeguard, starring a very young Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Uh, swagger in training is what you would call this. Mm-hmm. He plays a life, an aging lifeguard. Uh, Parker Stevenson is in this. Uh, Old pencil neck. The one of the Hardy Boys. Oh, that guy. I was thinking of Fisher Stevens. No, not Fisher. <laughs> um, and he's he's just he's an old lifeguard, and it's time for him to move on. He gets tempted to take a job at a Porsche dealership. He rekindles an old flame at a class reunion. He apparently has sex with a 17 year old mm. um so he's not perfect he did not his mustache did yeah mm. um i did check this in on twitter and it got a like from um uh, sam elliott's mustache nice. which is a great account and i highly recommend checking it out <laughs> all right i didn't know that and that worked out great Number 102 for me is Haymaker from 2021, uh, an MMA fighter on a quest for more than one kind of redemption. Sounds cooler than it turns out to be. Uh, I've got a movie. The I've main character, the main character whose last name is Sasso, though. That helps. Nice. Mark, you said you saw something? I saw a movie. It's crazy. I saw Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yes. Fantastic movie. Yes. You've got some some fans in the house. (laughs) In the chop shop, there's some fans. Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamulo. She is hilarious. (laughs) It it kind of feels like an Austin Powers throwback a little bit and kind of screwball comedy. Well, the villain is clearly a Dr. Evil Mm -hmm. ripoff, but everything else about it, I I really liked it. Yeah, it was great. One of my favorite movies of the year so far. We're Barb and Star. We know who you are. Unlike you, Edgar. You effing liar. (laughs) What do you got next, Chelsea? Sorry. Uh, 2012, Compliance. Whoa. Fucked me up. I did not know this was a thing that had happened in real life. And movie is crazy. Basically, you have people that work at a fast food restaurant. Somebody calls in and says, hey... This is officer so-and-so. One of your employees stole something from one of your customers. Hmm. I need you to get her in the back room. I need you to look through her things. This officer has the manager on the phone and the limits to where they push how far this goes just because they said I'm a police officer. Yes. Fucking crazy. And this is a true story. Everything in this movie Mm -hmm. fucking happened in real life. Are there some some big names in this uh no Anne dowd is probably the biggest hmm. it's pronounced dodd whatever Dodd. she was the co-star and, in uh don't trust the bee in apartment 23. yes mm-hmm. and um oh, i'm gonna butcher her name drema walker sounds good drema like whatever. her she's great <laughs> it was crazy right on crazy it was crazy <laughs> okay uh, before I do my last check-in, I've opened another beer. All right, let me kill this real quick. This is from Jack's Abbey Craft Lagers. This is called Shipping Out of Baston. It's an American lager, so it's like a nice amber lager. We just had to kill it like the trivia crowd in the beer garden. Yeah, yeah. Tastes remarkably like uh, Seminar Brewing's Howler, by the what way. What does it taste like? Remar- remarkably? Remarkably. Hey, you said it. <laughs> Anywho's My last check-in of the week. It's from, um, what year is this from? 
76. Another 1976 movie. The year my lovely wife Michelle was born. Drink. It's the Pom Pom Girls. Now, is it a double entendre? Um, sure. <laughs> Imagine an unamusing prequel to Dazed and Confused without the awesome soundtrack, but with gratuitous nudity. Extremely forgettable movie. However, bonus points for a heavily featured windowless van. <laughs> a windowless van. <laughs> At a windowless van on Twitter. But seriously, there are a lot of the same plot points of Dazed and Confused. The uh, high school quarterback quits the team. Yeah. Um, after a moment of realization that he likes hanging out with his friends more. A lot of things. And are, ironically, are Dazed and Confused was set in the year 1976. Yeah, I would be curious if uh, Linkletter has uh, seen this. I would bet that he has. Uh, my last check-in is going to be a film that I just saw today. It's 103, and it's called Clinical, and it does fit with our theme of the episode. A psychiatrist tries to put her life back together after a violent attack by seeking to repair the life of a new patient, but he has his own terrifying history. And my review was, Psychiatrist, heal thyself. It's it's messed up. There's a switcheroo that happens. Um, I don't recommend it, but it is on Netflix. Okay. All right. With that, it's time for the second part of our feature segment, The Recast Continued. Second opinion. Regression. Second session. And the film is going to be, from 1996, Primal Fear. On my first day of law school, my professor says to this day for Mother says she loves you. Marty, you're a master at putting the victim on trial. A victim in this case is my client. First thing I ask my client is like, say that for rainy day. Guess what? It's rainy day. Captain Skinner, can you tell us what's going on? The police have taken the first steps acting with speed and determination with the arrest. Archbishop Richard Rushman has left the city just now. Law offices in Martindale. You got the news on by any chance? Ain't a lot of guys are gonna want this one. I want the death penalty. Tell me, counselor, which one of us is the true headline chaser here? I speak, you do not speak. Unlike you, I was assigned to this case. There was someone else in that room, Mr. Bay. Who's the third person? That's, that's bullshit. Now it's our bullshit story. Don't tell me you think he didn't do it. I think the kid's telling the truth. A judicial... I beg you. Beg all you want, huh? Counsel, please. You knew I was coming here, didn't you? Just you start representing your client and stop representing yourself. Should brush me with laying on the floor. Yeah, there was blood all over everything. It's a mistake to stick it down in the eyes of the most powerful people in the city. Fucking you. Objection, Your Honor. What is talking about Linda Forbes upset you? I don't fucking believe you! I'm fucked. I don't want to kiss. So how are you gonna get him off? <laughs> You're worse than fucking thugs, please. Fuck, Marty, you want my job? No, I want you to do your fucking job. I saw the tape. I know what he did to you. I would stab him 78 times with a butcher knife. Never, 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 never. I don't know who's capable of such a thing, Mr. Vale. Directed by Gregory Hoblet. Hoblet? <laughs> He's got a seven. <laughs> it, it has a 76 on Rotten Tomatoes. I hear he has a ring. Uh, one ring to rule them all. And. Uh, so before I describe the film, has everybody seen this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I for thought, the first time. I saw it for the first time this week. Oh. And how did you feel about it? I fucking loved it. Okay. I really liked it. And uh, we're going to have to give away some plot points. Yeah. There is spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert on this recast. Marco? Yes. You said that you watched it back in the day and you watched a recap today. Mm -hmm. uh, any, any overwhelming thoughts? 
Uh, it's crazy how Edward Norton was a non-entity entirely at the time. Mm-hmm. He's kind of become pretty big. Overall. Yet laying the groundwork for two of his other roles. Yes. Yeah. All right. So the description, defense attorney Martin Vale, the seventh Vale, takes on jobs for money and prestige rather than any sense of the greater good. His latest case involves an altar boy accused of brutally murdering Archbishop the Archbishop of Chicago. Vale finds himself up against his ex-pupil and ex-lover, but the case progresses, or regresses, and the church's dark secrets are revealed. Vale finds that what appeared to be a simple case takes on a darker, more dangerous aspect. Sean, do you want to flesh it out a little bit more? Um, Yeah, I mean... Laura Linney plays his uh, opposing counsel, which they mm-hmm. had a history together. Uh, Francis McDormand plays the uh, um, psychologist mm-hmm. that that Gear brings into the case to kind of analyze Edward Norton's character, Aaron. Yes. And uh, something comes to the surface. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's spoiler time, right? Yeah. Aaron is not who he seems to be. Right. So the uh, persona of Roy is what he's presenting. He presents Aaron, but Roy is really who he is. Roy is a conniving, manipulative motherfucker capable Mm -hmm. of murder. But he's he's presenting himself as Aaron, and Roy is a alternate personality ego but roy's the actually the dominant persona so you watch the film thinking that he's got you know did Mm -hmm. and that uh, roy comes out and he blacks out as he says right and perpetrates these crimes but in truth he's just putting everybody Mm -hmm. on and it's a rope a dope yeah the the character of aaron is completely manufactured for his alibi yeah all right, so the roles that we're going to recast, we've got Martin Vale, played by Richard Gere, who was 47. We've got Aaron Stampler, a.k.a. Roy, played by Edward Norton, who was 27. We've got Dr. Molly Arrington, played by Francis McDormand, who was 39. And then we've got Janet Venable, played by Laura Linney, who was 32. And Mark, who was your pick for the role of Martin Vale? Well, let me be frank. I think we can all agree the best part of Primal Fear is Ed Norton's Southern accent, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so keeping that going, I'm going with someone that does another famous Southern accent. For the Richard Gere role, I'm picking Kevin Spacey, in character as Frank Underwood. Oh, wow. <laughs> sure, there have been allegations of abuse directed at Spacey, but all those people have mysteriously died. So by process of elimination, he's been exonerated. I think he has the gravitas to pull it off as long as he's in character. Bravo, sir. Nicely done. Over to you, Chelsea. So Richard Gere is friggin' adorable. I love him. Mm-hmm. Love him. Uh, so my actor was in a movie called The Losers, Star Trek, been in a bunch of things that are not loading. Sorry. But I went with uh, Idris Alba. Ooh, yes. He's there in is the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. There's something mm-hmm. about him where he has that same sort of like, my shit don't stink grin that <laughs> okay. Richard Gere has. And so he walks into the courtroom Oh, yeah. yeah. He's going to be adorable. Mm-hmm. He'll be the next James Bond, I think. That's, Ooh, that's, that's where people for. are leaning. That's what I've been hoping for. Mm-hmm. Over to you, Sean. Female. Um, so, yeah, I think I can put a point on what you're saying with Idris Elba being the uh, recast. Richard Gere is a panty dropper. Oh, 100%. Pure and simple. That's 100%. what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Idris Elba, yes. And this actor here, I think, qualifies as well. He, too, was in Star uh, Star Trek. Um he was in the Lord of the Rings series. He was in Doom. He was in uh, the Judge Dredd movie as well. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. I went with Carl Urban. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Right on. I went with something a little bit different. My actor has kind of aged into the role. He's 51 now. He was in Leaves of Grass, Fight Club, and Primal Fear. His name no. is Edward Norton. Hundred percent no. Reject it. <laughs> Next up, we've got the role of Aaron Stampler, aka Roy, played by Edward Norton, who is twenty-seven. And Mark, who did you go with for this? I chose someone that has a larger-than-life character personality type. Interesting to see him play a reserved, meek type that mm-hmm. Ed Norton played in the beginning, up until the end, of course. Then he gets to cut loose. He hasn't acted in a major hit in a while, and I'm thinking it's time for a comeback. 
Corey Feldman, baby. Wow. Wow. Yes. Okay. We just recently did the tale of two Corys on this show. Oh, nice. Um, so it's just striking me right now that uh, the character that Edward Norton is playing in this film is kind of similar to the role that Kevin Spacey played in The Usual Suspects, mm. meaning he's presenting a meeker, milder version of mm -hmm. what he's actually capable of. And that goes back to your first recast. And Chelsea, who's your pick? So my actor is going to need some makeup for this role. Okay. But I think he can do it because he really impressed me when he was on SNL. Um, he's been in a movie called Nerve and The Dirt. I uh -huh. went with Machine Gun Kelly. Ah, okay. All right. I, he was my... Um, he was my... Sid Vicious. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, next, Sean, who is your pick? All right. So I'm with another 27-year-old actor. Keeping in mind the Aaron role, the the, the very innocent mm -hmm. and vulnerable character that he's presenting, I think this actor kind of personifies it. And I'd be curious to see him play the Roy side. Um, he can be seen in the TV series The Politician. And he will be in the title role of Dear Evan Hansen, the adaptation of the Broadway musical. Right. But he was also in all the Pitch Perfect movies. I went with Ben Platt. Yeah. Ben Platt. All right. Uh, son of Oliver Platt. My pick for the role of Aaron Stampler slash Roy is 28 now. He was in Dunkirk, American Animals, and The Killing of a Sacred Deer. His name is Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan. Do you remember that guy? Oh, I remember From him. Killing of a Sacred Such Deer. Such an awkward oh, looking fellow. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's he's disturbing. He has a little bit of a childlike innocence, yeah. but also that malice. He reminds me of Stuart from Mad TV. Let me do it. <laughs> Next, we've got the role of Dr. Molly Arrington, played by Frances McDormand. Francesca McDormand, uh, who was 39 at the time. And Mark, who did you pick for this doctor? Well, my pick screams mental health, okay? She would have to tone down her overall energy level uh, for the more reserved performance from McDormand here. Um, everyone loves a redemption arc. Roseanne Barr. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, I like your pick for the uh, photo as well. There was a movie that was on my list of movies to watch that never came out called Roseanne Barr for President. And I'm still wondering why that movie didn't come out. I have some bad news for you, Travis. <laughs> Chelsea. So my actress is in the right age range. However, she looks a little younger. But there's something about her that reminds me of Frances McDormand, like, it's a, she's a little bit mousy, but still kind of pretty. I don't know how to quite explain okay. it. But I went with Carrie Russell. Ah, okay. Felicity. Yeah. I like it. She's an American. She's in mm. the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, your pick? So what you did there. Um, I went with an actress who is uh, 39 years old. She can be seen in She's Out of My League, mm -hmm. Star Trek Into Darkness, Men in Black 3, and Before We Go, her name is Alice Eve. Alice, Alice Eve. Eve. Okay. Was she in that band Eve 6? I don't think so. All right. Well, my actress is also 39 now. She was in My Blind Brother, Hotel Artemis, and on the rocks, her name is Jenny Slate. I like Jenny Slate. Me too. My blind brother was pretty good too. I mean, I, I have never seen her in something that I didn't love. Was Same. She, was she in Shiva Baby or was that a different actress? I haven't seen that film. I haven't either. <laughs> but it keeps popping up on my letterbox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, we got one more for this one. We've got the role of Janet Venable played by Laura Linney, who was 32 at the time, and she is the former pupil slash former lover of Richard Gere's character slash his opposing, uh, counsel. opposing counsel. Now, correct. you don't like Laura Linney. Yeah, I just feel like Hollywood in the 1990s tried to make Laura Linney sexy. Okay, and she's and just not. I just don't find her sexy. That's I'm cool. sorry. <laughs> she doesn't to turn, each their own. She doesn't turn your crank. I get it. Yeah. 
You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Laura this Linney. conversation about Laura Lee. <laughs> Mark, who was your pick for Janet Venable? I chose an Af- actress that should not to be trifled with. Uh, she might be a little busy shooting the next Aquaman. I chose Amber Heard. Oh, She's wow. She's not busy shooting oh, that. Okay. She's kicked off. She got oh, kicked off. I don't think. Oh, no. Did she? Yes. Yeah. Fired. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. I know that uh, Johnny Depp's appeal in the defamation case in Europe got rejected. Mm. Chelsea. So I think you'll enjoy my pick, Travis. Mm -hmm. I like Laura Linney, but I agree. I don't think she's quote unquote sexy. Mm -hmm. My actress is smart. She's sharp. She's witty. She's also sexy. I went with Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, she's one of my faves. I know. So uh, this is not a brown nosing podcast. <laughs> Over to you, Sean. Who's your pick? Uh, my actress is 32 years old. She was in Danny Collins, Patriots Day, Whiplash, and can currently be seen in the TV series Supergirl. I went with Melissa Benoist. Oh, I like her a lot. Me too. Yeah, she I've was never on seen Glee. that show, but I like her. Um, my pick is 32 now as well. Uh, she was in True Blood, Westworld, and Cajillionaire. Her name's Evan Rachel Wood. Nice. Oh, I like that Rachel one too. Evan Rachel Wood is mm. my Laura Linney. That's a good pick. I like mm-hmm. it. Who was she in True Blood? She was the vampire queen. Oh, okay. Yeah, she didn't stick around too long. She was in like show holds up. two or three episodes of season four or oh. something like that. <laughs> All right. So we've gone through the roles. Final thoughts on Primal Fear. Watch it. I love it. I don't it. know how I went this long without seeing it. Yeah, Same. It's a recommend. It's a good movie. To me, it was one of those movies that stands out in my memory of, hey, this is an amazing thing. Maybe you should watch more amazing things. Uh, you know? All right. It's time for our final bonus segment, which is going to be a honey roast of Sigmund Freud. And I would personally just like to thank him for uh, Freudian slips. Right. <laughs> what else? What else do we love about him? His nephew, Lucian. His obsession with his mother. Oh, the Oedipal complex. <laughs> and penis envy. Yeah. Well, everything, according to him, is precipitated on sexual mm-hmm. impulse. So I think that he inspired Arnold Schwarzenegger in his famous quote, when I am working out, I'm thinking about sex. And when I'm having sex, I'm thinking about working out. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap things up. I want to thank our guest today, Marco. Pleasure Anything you want to plug, sir? No, I've been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon recently. That's been fun. Is that the Japanese mafia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about cool. a guy that goes to jail for 20 years for a murder he did not commit. And when he gets out, he's for all forgotten about. And... Bed and bone, right? Bed oh, always. Bone. Yes. Well, every day. <laughs> and uh, Chelsea, anything you'd like to plug this week? Trivia. Trivia every day. All the days. I'm X. I live in here. You did good at trivia last week, by the way. I thought so. You were you were really good. And also, I want to thank my co-host, the brew boss, the engineer. Anything you want to plug this week, sir? No. No, just my uh, my Twitter handle, a windowless van. A windowless van. You're getting Twitter cocky now that Morgan Creek follows right? you. Right? The, <laughs> the film distribution company, Morgan Creek, has started following my account. I don't understand why. <laughs> Morgan Creek is the illegitimate, chi- illegitimate child of Morgan Freeman and Tracy Morgan. Morgan Creek sounds like one of those McMansion neighborhoods near the golf course. Mm-hmm. Do you know what next week's episode is? Uh, I do Basketball movies. There we go. Basketball movies. So here is your question. This is a sneak preview question and answer for trivia this upcoming Wednesday. In 1996's Space Jam, who voices the role of Swackhammer, an evil alien theme park owner who needs a new attraction at Moron Mountain? I think, is it Danny DeVito? Danny DeVito I is correct! Danny DeVito too. Let me be frank. Okay. I've never seen 
Space Jam. That well, you better watch it before be the you. new one comes and I, out. And I was yeah. going to say Danny DeVito. It may nice awaken something job. within you, Sean. <laughs> you better watch out. We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are hosted online on Podbean. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. We are also Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter, Facebook, and Gmail. And Untapped, where I sometimes remember to check in the beers that we drank on the show. And also the YouTube channel is going to blow up this week. Totally. Thanks to And it is Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on YouTube. And finally, thank you to you, the listeners, the chop shoppers out there. Wear a mask, social distance, and get that vax. And please remember to... Watch Chop Retrofit. Our time is up. <laughs> <laughs>